Hello and welcome to Michigan's Path to a Prosperous Future, a podcast by the Citizens Research Council of Michigan. I'm Lauren Gibbons. I'm a reporter with Bridge Michigan, and I'm the guest host today for a discussion on Michigan's economy and workforce trends. And I'm here with Bob Schneider, Senior Research Associate of State Affairs at the Citizens Research Council, which has done some really robust work researching the state's population woes. Um, Their work has informed a lot of our reporting at Bridge Michigan and has in some ways spurred a statewide conversation that involves the highest level of state government, including the governor's office, where Governor Gretchen Whitmer recently appointed a new council specifically to look at some of these issues. For this podcast, wanted to talk to you about your research paper titled Economy, Workforce, and Talent Challenges and Opportunities, which gives a good overview of where Michigan is and how we got here. We'll start with some of the challenges the state faces. Namely, one of your key findings in the paper was that Michigan residents are on average poorer than those in other states. Uh, Can you tell me how we got here and what's changed over the last few decades? Yeah, thank you, Lauren. You're very right. So if we go back and look, and and this won't surprise many Michiganders, if you go back into the 1950s and the 1960s, we were a relatively prosperous and and kind of wealthy state uh, nationally in 1950. If we look at per capita personal income, Michigan, Michigan's per capita personal income was 12% higher than the national per capita personal income. And over over the next 20 years into the 70s, that income advantage slowly dissipated. So by 1970, we were kind of even with the country. And that kind of stayed placed through the 80s and into the 90s. During that time, manufacturing was having a little more struggle. We were having a little bit more globalization of manufacturing. But things really came to a head for Michigan in particular, in that first decade between 2000 and 2010, folks will recall nationally manufacturing was struggling. Michigan is an auto industry state. The auto industry had particular challenges. We really hemorrhaged jobs from 2000 to 2007. In 2000, Michigan had an employment base of around 4.7 million jobs. By 2007, that was down to about a little under 4.3 million. And then the Great Recession hit and made things even worse. By 2010, we were under 3.9 jobs. The state had lost 800, 850,000 jobs, a big chunk of our employment base. And so 1950, we were 12% above the nation in terms of that income measure. By, you know, by 2010, we were about 10 to 12% below the nation in that same measure. And that's pretty much held check now into the present year. I think it was those challenges to our manufacturing, our heavy manufacturing economy, and our big dependence. That prosperity was fueled by the auto industry. And then the downsizing of the auto industry certainly hit Michigan really hard during that decade and and, and has continued to pose a challenge for Michigan. Of course, the automotive industry continues to loom large in Michigan. The legacy uh, is still there, still a big driver of a lot of uh, economic factors here. Where does that leave Michigan as the state looks to the future in terms of uh, our workforce and how we can move ahead with perhaps making some improvements? I think the auto industry 
brings us some advantages that we're going to have going forward and, and some challenges. Obviously, the auto industry itself is in a, in the midst of a transition to electric vehicles, the jobs footprint, the parts and, and the, the manufacturing that go into those electric vehicles will, by all accounts, be smaller than it is now. And for a state that still relies heavily on the auto industry, that's going to be a, a threat or a challenge going forward. We do have some advantages from that auto, auto legacy. Th- those auto jobs don't pay quite the premium that they used to, but we still get good income from that sector of our economy. We also have high concentrations of talent. Michigan, one of the things we brought out that comes out of that auto legacy is when engineering occupations, which are going to be a high wage, high skill occupation in the future and and will be important to knowledge-based economies, we have by far the highest concentration in the Midwest and a very high concentration nationally of engineers and those with those engineering skills. So there's some good there in terms of the talent that we do have in the state coming out of our auto industry, the R&D that's going into the auto industry, that looming challenge of continued restructuring likely of the auto industry in Michigan, obviously will need to retain some of that employment that we have now going forward, or things look a little bit like they maybe did in that first decade of the new century that was a a big challenge for us. And going back to the income question, uh, your research found that incomes trended even lower among certain demographics in Michigan, including Black households and people living in Michigan's large cities. And what are some of the factors that are contributing to those trends? Yeah, I think our our research did show that that there were significant gaps. If we look at median incomes, Black households in Michigan have median incomes that are 58% of white households in the state. That's similar to the United States, but in the U.S. it was a little higher. The, the, the median incomes of black households were about 62%. And as you said, geographically, and it's not just the big cities, we found incomes were lower, poverty was higher. And cities across the state, including obviously Detroit, Saginaw, Flint, are big central cities in the metropolitan areas, but also in in the outlying areas and the more rural areas of the state. So our micropolitan areas, those central cities, Mount Pleasant or Clare or Cadillac or Elma and the cities, smaller cities around the state, you saw the same phenomenon. I think the, the challenges we have, I would think we have economic challenges that come out of having that manufacturing base in in stagnant kind of manufacturing incomes that probably have a, a greater impact on those central cities. We've also, as a state, and, and I think we'll talk about it in some of the other reports too, we've sort of left behind some of our cities. We've had a lot of sprawl in this state. When we do new development, we do it somewhere out in the suburban or even rural areas and are less likely to be doing that in our major cities, which is an issue I think the state will need to think about going forward. Uh, How can we, what kind of urban agenda can we put in place to provide a little bit of a stimulus to those cities that seem to be on top of the struggling sectors of our state? Mm -hmm. 
And another key aspect of this conversation obviously pertains to the workforce and growing talents. And your research found that Michigan is lagging uh, somewhat there too. Can you lay out uh, some of the trends you're seeing in terms of college attainment and some of the even younger, like the K-12 trends? Yeah, this is an important point we tried to make in our report is talent is going to drive prosperity. Uh, it, it, all, it has already. And our trajectory in, in, in uh, growing talent uh, and skills in this state are going to drive our, our future prosperity. Um, the, we, we had some interesting data points, I think, in the report. The data is very clear. Um, states with higher percentages of educational attainment so we looked at the 25-year and older population. What proportion has a bachelor's degree or higher? What proportion has an associate's degree or higher? It's very clear in the data. The states with the highest educational attainment, the highest percentage of that adult population with college degrees, both associates and bachelors, also had a higher real per per capita personal income, had higher income prosperity than other states. And that was on average, but it was a very clear trend. And in fact, the data showed 1% growth in educational attainment in terms of percentage with college degree lines up almost with a 1% growth in that income measure as well. We also showed if you want a high paying job in the future, a college degree is going to be critical. If we look at the top 25% of occupations in terms of pay, 77% of those of jobs in those occupations require at least a bachelor's degree. High pay is going to go along with the skills that are generally are going to come from a bachelor's degree or at least some type of college credential. And the research shows there's spillovers. When we raise educational attainment within a business or a region or a state, it tends to have spillover effects in, on income that cross over even those who don't have those degrees. So it's a little bit of a educational attainment kind of helps lift all boats to some degree. In Michigan, we're not doing particularly well. We're not last in the nation, but we're not in the upper half either. In terms of bachelor's degree, 31.7% of adult 25 and older Michiganders have a bachelor's degree nationally. It's 35%. Associates are higher. In Michigan, it's just over 41% nationally. It's almost 44%. We're 33rd and 34th in those metrics. And we've actually lost a little ground. Maybe 10, 20 years ago, we were a notch or two higher in that ranking. So our educational rates are going up educational attainment, but slower than the rest of the country. And we're generally in the middle in terms of the Midwest states, our neighbors that we looked at. In order to get prosperous again, we're going to need to change that trajectory. And you brought up K-12, and, and this may be our greatest challenge. If we need to ensure if a talented future workforce is going to rely on college degrees, then we need to have Michigan students who are ready to enter college. And I think the data were even more striking there in terms of the state really lagging behind the nation and its neighbors. So just a couple of points. First, COVID impacted the whole country. We see uh, the, the federal government requires proficiency testing regularly in schools. And if we look at 
fourth grade and eighth grade educational proficiency measures. One we know nationally and in Michigan, those dropped greatly during COVID. So that will continue to be a, a threat and a challenge for Michigan, but also for the country. But Michigan is not faring well against the country or the nation. So just a couple factoids, then fourth grade math scores. In 2021, the last round of testing in the U.S., 36% of fourth grade students were proficient in math. That's not very good. In Michigan, it was worse, 32%. So we were several percentage points behind uh, the nation in fourth grade math, and we were last. We looked at 10 other uh, Michigan neighbors, Midwest comparison states, we were the lowest. All 10 were above us in that metric. Eighth grade math, if we want to look at that, nationally, 26% were proficient and Michigan, 25% were proficient. And again, there is an example, only two of the 10 Midwest comparison states um, were at or lower than us on, on that metric. And we talked about the uh, the, the ethnic and racial gaps, and those were prominent there as well. So Michigan requires students to take the SAT this year, and there's a, a benchmark within the SAT scoring for college readiness, a minimum score that, that signals that a student is ready for a college uh, curriculum and will be able to have a chance to complete a degree. There, for white students in Michigan, 32.6% in the last round of testing scored as being college ready. Again, not that good. But when we look at uh, black students in Michigan, 6% were, were found to be college ready. And if we look at Hispanic students, 15.5% were, were, were scored at a level that would signal readiness for college. It, if we're going to improve our talent base in the future and we're going to ensure that everybody has an opportunity to earn that college degree and get high wage employment, those numbers will have to change both as a state as a whole and to address those significant racial and ethnic gaps that, that we see in the numbers. And to expand on that a little bit, certainly we saw a lot of investment to try and combat some of these learning gaps caused by the COVID-19 pandemic, a ton of federal and state investment there. But looking ahead, what are some other policy solutions that officials could look to to try and help both the current crop of students and also just keep uh, building our education system moving forward? Yeah, I think we're doing some things already. I think we begin to make moves to help address some of that. We did a, a separate report. It's not this one earlier this year on higher education and tuition costs in Michigan and showed how significant you need to be able to afford college in order to earn a college degree. And we showed how the way that our, especially our universities finance their college programs, we lean much more heavily on tuition now than we do on public support to colleges and, and universities. The state just launched a new financial aid program that seems to have moved the needle a little bit in terms of those entering college. So th that's a positive step forward with a lot of folks maybe not having the background for college once they get there, whether at a university or community college, wraparound type supports might be necessary. And another point we make in the report, we'll need to think of the educational system as sort of cradle to grave, but particularly early from preschool through 
community college and, and, and universities investments in early childhood education at the front end of that have shown to be effective, especially with some of those low-income students, black students who, who have economic disadvantages, prove, proven to be effective at helping to address some of those. We have moved in that direction. And I think everyone, especially in early childhood, everyone, business community, state government seem to be pulling in the same direction. But I think these numbers show more of that's going to have to happen when we're going to need to think about how can we do K-12 better to improve those outcomes. Sure. And more broadly speaking, and I'll make this the last question here, but we talked about some potential policy issues that could be addressed in the educational sphere, but to really kickstart Michigan's economy and move it in a different direction, what are some economic development supports that could be developed or or what direction should the population council, the administration, lawmakers start moving towards to build those incomes back up and reverse some of these trends here? Yeah, we know the auto industry, which is still a, a foundational piece of our economy, is going to be in transition. We've done a lot of business attraction dollars to attract you know, battery plants, what have you, into Michigan. And while I wouldn't begrudge that happening, that's a lot of public money. If you look at on a per job basis, those are very expensive economic development investments. I, I just go back to the talent pipeline. The state probably needs to... The, to the extent that we can have a talented workforce and a productive workforce, then those jobs are going to come. That should probably be our first priority. How can we ensure that we grow the number of Michiganders with college degrees, homegrown, and we show in the paper when folks come to Michigan from out of state and when folks immigrate to this uh, to, uh, to, to the, from abroad, generally a higher proportion of them are bringing college credentials with them than our current population. So how can we attract and grow a talented workforce here and make that be the lead? We understand the need to do things to attract businesses here. That's always happened and, and probably will continue to happen. But how can we grow that talent so that we are an attractive place, not so much because we're giving them $200 million, but because this is the place I want to go because I know I can get the skilled workforce that I need in Michigan. I think from a from a workforce and talent and economy standpoint, I would say that should be our focus as a state. So a people-focused approach, if you will. Yeah. Sure. Well, that about wraps up this installment in Michigan's Path to a Prosperous Future podcast with the Citizens Research Council of Michigan and Bridge, Michigan. I'm Lauren Gibbons with Bridge. I've been your guest host with Bob Schneider. Thanks so much for listening. The Citizens Research Council of Michigan has been providing lawmakers, academics, and the media, and all Michiganders, really, with factual, unbiased, independent information on significant issues concerning state and local government, organization, and finance for 107 years. Our research is available to you. Go online at crcmich.org and on Twitter at crcmich. Download our research, check out our numerous blogs, and listen to our podcasts. And while you're there, please consider supporting our research with a donation. We rely on charitable donations for our work. This has been a Facts Matter podcast, a presentation of the Citizens Research Council of Michigan.